Welcome to the Cedar House Church Sermon of the Week. Our desire is to remain in God's presence, explore His passions, and supply tools that serve and inspire our city. Guys, you know what I'm talking about? Guys, any guy in here? Am I the only one that doesn't like to clean? Okay, awesome. Uh, yeah, awesome. Well, cool. I've, as I've been mentioning, uh, I'm not on a sermon series, just kind of doing some different things on my heart um, throughout the summer of what I feel like uh, God's just saying different things. And so I'm going to talk to you guys about spiritual warfare. And this is a, um, a major subject that in the school of ministry we dive into um, much more in depth. But Specifically today, I want to talk about one aspect of spiritual warfare. In my opinion, is the biggest aspect of spiritual warfare. Um, I want to just kind of lay a stake in the ground for our community, for specifically Cedar House, of how we view spiritual warfare and how we behave around that subject. You guys okay with that? This, uh, in, in Christian circles, specifically in a stream like ours, which is we're the, we're the ones who manifest and dance and prophesy and want people to heal the sick and you know all that stuff there's there's an excitement that comes with spiritual warfare that is um i think it can get a little bit off base and so i just want to bring some clarity to it and just talk a little bit about how i see it and what i think god has for cedar house specifically on this topic of spiritual warfare so all of the thoughts in your mind are not yours and there's an invisible realm going on that is more real than what we're experiencing. And that invisible realm, warfare, the main goal and agenda of that is to have your thought life. If the enemy can get our thought life, he's got us. So a man thinketh, so a man is. The way you think manifests as reality around you. And so the enemy is warring for our thought life all the time. I'm going to talk about the devil a little bit today, which I never do because we don't want to give him attention, which I'm going to give him a little bit more detail to. But he's, he's trying very hard to get your attention. And what you focus on grows. What you pay attention to continues to grow. Okay. Why does spiritual warfare happen? Because you're worth the resistance to the devil. I'm not trying to take it lightly, but it's, it's kind of a compliment. So you have a really massive calling on your life. You have a massive destiny. You, God said if you can think or imagine, it's bigger than that. So whatever you think you're called to, it's bigger than that. Imagine it, it's bigger than that. And the enemy's aware of that, and he doesn't like it. You with me? There's a a resistance that he's putting against you, which I'm going to call warfare for today. Now, speaking of healthy resistance, this week I tried CrossFit. (laughs) Amen? Huh? So um, about um, about a year ago, I I, I started doing yoga lattes, which is basically a, a form of Pilates with a heavy amount of stretching in it. I had a series of back injuries in high school that have always just really limited my mobility and I've tried I tried everything like literally tried it as much as I possibly could and about a year ago started doing yoga lattes 
it's two doors down from my office. Yoga Lattes is amazing. I mean, my back pain is like less than 50%. I mean, it's more than 50% where it was. Just absolutely incredible. So I've been doing that. But, you know, it's, a, it's, um, it's not the most manly thing. <laughs> you can laugh at me. I do yoga Lattes four days a week. Uh, it's it's in a warehouse. It's like a hundred degrees. It's doing all these stretches for like an hour. It's it's crazy. Um, I really enjoy it. But you know, if you aware of health, testosterone is a really big deal for man to man, man to have a high level of functionality. And resistance training is typically a great way to get natural testosterone in your body. So men, you should all do some form of resistance training. Women, you should too. But long term, it's much more uh, detrimental to a man. And so if, if they don't do it. And so I thought, well, yoga lattes is making my internal body feel a lot better. I'm a lot more mobile. I can stress, but I need to get some resistance training. So Mitchell and Mike, why don't you guys stand up just for everyone to see your shoulders. Look at these guys. Yeah, look at these. These guys CrossFit. Okay, you can sit down. You're embarrassing me. These guys do CrossFit. So if you want to look like that, I thought, all right, I'm going to try CrossFit. So they invited me to their CrossFit. So I went and did it. So you walk into this CrossFit, it's this giant warehouse, right? And I have read all the horror stories up to this point, like people getting hurt, it's a cult, uh, you know, all that stuff. Um, but when I, typically when I hear someone's there's a cult, I'm like, oh, cool, people think we're a cult. So they probably just have like a really strong culture and a high level of buy-in that people just don't understand. So you're not you're not really a cult unless... Um, you can tell if it's a cult by the way you let people leave the group. So, if you notice, I don't, if you never show up again, you're an adult and you make the best choices for your family. Um, hopefully you don't think we're a cult. My Okay, okay, enough of the cult talk. I'll just move right along. Um, I may, I'm nervous to join CrossFit because if I leave, they may try to, like, kill me or something. Um, no. Kidding. So I, I try this thing out. So, you know, they do like this. Um, I loved it. I'm going to go back. But um, you do this long warm-up, and they call it a workout of the day, which is 12 minutes of higher interval training. It's just it's really intense. It's like 120 degrees in this warehouse. So it's intense, and, like, people are sweating and grunting. And it's like it's kind of a family atmosphere, but it's also very competitive, you know, and, like, you kind of want to beat the next guy, kind of, but at the same time you want to cheer him on. And there's just this intensity to it. And it's like the more intense you get, the more the next person next to you, they get intense. You know what I'm talking about? They know what I'm talking about. It's like, all right, I see where you're at. I'm going to keep going. This this awesome testosterone-building uh, environment, this very strong culture like that. Well, a lot of times although it's good for your body, I think a lot of times we view spiritual warfare like that. And it's like, well, if we're really doing spiritual warfare, we should be exhausted. And we should be sweating and yelling at each other. <laughs> or yelling at demons. Is anyone, am I the only one who's heard of this style of warfare? This intensity, almost just like this savage way of life. And I want to encourage you, that is not the new covenant way of spiritual warfare. Now, I do love CrossFit. I'm going to go back. You need to do CrossFit too. 
you're like, oh gosh, if he joins CrossFit, he's going to talk about it every Sunday. This is going to be terrible. The workout of the day. Um, but there are times where that does happen, where God has a full-blown-out time of warfare. But what we're going to talk about today is not that. But I'm going to give you one really fun story of full-blown warfare. So in my late 20s, I lived in Seattle. I was doing prophetic ministry, doing healing ministry, a lot of street ministry. So where we lived in Seattle was um, a whole lot of occult, like real cults. Um, a lot of witchcraft, a lot of New Age, a lot of Eastern theology and experiences coming in that world. And we were just sold-out revivalists in the middle of it going for it. So any chance we had to just watch God do something powerful, we would do. And so one day, we're, uh, it was me and Stacy and Hope at the time. I was like one and a half. Hope's my seven-year-old. She turns eight in the fall. And uh, we were with the deans. The deans aren't here tonight. Um, let's judge them and kick them out the church because they're not here. You want to do that? We're, yeah, I'm kidding. Um, so, yeah, we're, 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 we're going to this coffee shop, and the coffee shop just happened to be where we ran the healing room, but no association, but I just had a lot of comfort and spiritual uh, awareness of this place. So we get out the car, doors like right here, and we're walking in, and I see this guy probably 40 yards down. Some of you have heard this story in the school of ministry I told it. So it was like 40 yards down, and I see him, and I can just tell, like, it's just an intense moment. Like, he's looking at me, and he's coming at me. All right, so this isn't a Baton Rouge-looking dude. Uh, he's wearing a dress. He has, like, a bunch of New Age, like, trinkets on and, like, some outer, like, flowery garments and this really bizarre-looking hat. And so he's walking at me, and I'd, so I just tell Stacy and um, everyone to get inside. And he just ke- he's, keeps getting closer and closer. And I, I don't know how else to say it, but I just knew in my spirit that this guy was trying to put a curse on my family. So he's walking to me, and I literally just had this thing of, like, that's not happening today. Like, I literally had the thought, like, he's not. That's not happening. Like, greater is he that's in me. But when you're in those moments, Scripture doesn't come up. It's a little bit more like, all right, bro, what's up, dude? You want to, (laughs) like, you know? Um, So he comes up, and I come up. And I don't know how else to describe this, but one of the, like, trinkets was like, um, you have a pen? I just borrow that really quick. One of his trinkets is like hanging off his neck, and he kind of has this pin. And it was like, for some reason, I knew, and I could tell he was trying to show me that, like, where his pen went, there was power. And so I walk up. So he's doing this, right? Thank you. He's doing this, and everywhere he put it, I just somehow knew to block it. This is on a street corner in downtown Seattle. Literally, people getting coffee, cars, like at a stop sign. That type of thing. He walks out, and I'm like, so he's he comes up to me. We're like three feet away, and he's doing that, and I'm doing this. <laughs> but there, this thing comes. I mean, I'm taller than almost everyone. Larry and Porter, I think, are taller than me. But most humans, I'm substantially taller than, right? And this dude was like, not the not the most tall guy. Not that tall people. There's nothing wrong with not being tall, right? <laughs> oh yeah, three people taller than me today. Um, so anyway, he's doing that. So I'm like blocking it like this. And I put my hand up, for some reason, I put my hand in his face. It was very aggressive, which I'm not, that, I'm not that guy. And I just start, like, boldly speaking in tongues. So I'm, I'm speaking in a heavenly language. The dude wearing a dress is trying to put curses on me. It was like Star Wars. 
And so, and uh, literally, this like whole where a, a coffee shop is like like you're a coffee shop, and I'm Star Warsing a guy right here. <laughs> so we're doing all this. Maybe 30 seconds. I'm literally my heartbeat is like I'm pounding so hard. And it was just this very supernatural moment, and I just had the thought like, all I know is if I stop, he's gonna win. I just so I just kept going. So I literally just like speaking in tongues. This dude's going. Um, if you ever seen anyone who's possessed, like he was not in his right mind. It wasn't like he was like on drugs. I mean, like he was possessed by something. So it's completely white. His eyes. So he's looking at me. I'm looking at him. And literally, I don't, just like a robot, he kind of starts glitching. And he just he's glitching, and I'm just not. I'm not stopping. It's like played intense basketball in high school it's like you got the you got your hand on your throat and you don't let up till the time's done you know so i'm like i'm not stopping he, you can stop so he finally just he kind of stops and there's his eyes roll back and he's just like this like just nothing and i'm like he stops i kind of look around and i'm just like i have no idea what's going on so and then i feel in my heart like god just immediately told me he got hurt by the christian church as a child which has put him into this direction. Let me be clear. God didn't hurt him. Some some people made some bad decisions that were trying their best to follow God. You with me? So I just started prophesying destiny. I was like, this is what God says about you, and this is what God's going to do with you, and God has this for you, and those kind of things. And so he, he pops back up, and his eyes were blue. He looked totally normal. It was just this moment of like I could feel something shift, you know. I said, well, how's that feel? And he said, it feels amazing. And he just was kind of looking dazed, and it just it hit him again. His eyes went back, and he just, he was, all of a sudden, he was really scared of me, and he was backing up, like, trying to find the trinkets, and he, he walked all the way around the corner, just, like, telling me to stay away. So needless to say, our, our coffee date had a slightly different conversation than it did 20 minutes before. Straight up Star Wars in downtown Seattle. So I say that to say, God can use those moments. He can use the intense warfare moments. But for the most part, that's not the normal Christian life. You with me? All right. So I'm going to read you some scripture here. And then we'll keep going. I'm going to read Ephesians 6, verse 12. Um, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of even the heavenly realms. As you can tell here, it's this very strong language for how spiritual of people we are. I mean, just to be honest with you, it sounds like sci-fi. Can we be, can we be socially normal and understanding? It sounds like it's pretty wild. What he's saying is there's more going on behind the scenes than we're aware of. So I'm going to read you another scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 3 through 5. This is NIV. So for, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. For the weapons we fight are not with weapons of this world. On the contrary, we have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. What's he saying there in this unseen world? Where it's not against flesh and blood. And he ends with taking every thought captive. So this is, this is what happened a long time ago. 
Jesus defeated the enemy, said he had all authority, and he gave all authority to us. Okay, that's true. That means the devil has no authority. Okay? Now, the only way he gets authority is if we give him attention and we agree. So this is the thing. Taking every thought captive is very literal because you have two voices in your head. You have multiple voices in your head that are all the enemy trying to swirl things up. And you have one true voice. And all they're doing is fighting for your attention because what you focus on grows. Are you with me? So here's the thing. We're the one army that doesn't study our opponent. I don't need to know what the devil's doing. I just need to know what the Father's doing. I'm, I'm focused on one thing. The Bible says the devil roar, goes around like a roaring lion. So he's not biting. He's just talking. He just talks and talks. He's a very high-eye verbal processor. He's just talking and talking, and you're not good enough, and your kids aren't going to love you when they're older, and you're not going to have more money. You're not going to pay your bills. You're not good-looking. All is just talking and talking, and it's exhausting. And we consider that normal if you're not careful. But God is requiring us to be focused on one voice, one thing. So here's the deal. We sang it tonight. The main form of warfare is praise and worship. How do we fight our battles? We worship. I know we love the Star Wars moments, but I'm, I'm telling you this is true. This is how we fight our battles. We worship. Why? We focus on him. I don't need to know what the enemy's doing. I need to know the real thing. We, um, Amber sang it tonight, but he, he prepares a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Think about that. Don't fight your enemies. Come be with me in the midst of it. Spiritual warfare is learning how to posture yourself at a table with a king. Listen, all he's doing is he's just jabbering. And as soon as he can talk and I turn my attention to him, he's won. Good thought, bad thought. And if he can keep talking and I can shift into, yeah, I'm not good enough. That moment of I'm not good enough and I didn't take the thought captive, the enemy gets attention. The enemy's authority, I'm just shoveling authority to him. Are you with me? In the garden, Adam and Eve... Think about what the enemy did, the serpent. What was he doing? How did he get Adam to first fall? He's just talking. Hey, did God say that? You sure about that, Adam? Doubt, insecure, lies, twisting truth. And he got Adam to agree with him. You with me? Okay, the Bible calls Jesus the second Adam. I'm not making that up. That's, that's, it's in the Bible. It's parabolic for how what Adam lost, Jesus gets back. And what Jesus took back for us was the keys to the kingdom. But one of the ways he did that was, if you remember, when he was in the desert for 40 days fasting and then Satan himself came and tempted him, he did the same thing. He was throwing out lies. He was speaking half-truths and thwarting scripture 
to try to trip Jesus up, and he didn't give him any attention, and he won, and that's all it is. So I'm not saying the enemy doesn't exist. We just don't give him influence. We, we function as though, I don't know how else to say this. I'm not trying to sound naive, but if you notice, like when I even give sermons, like I don't, I don't like talking about them because it's, it's, still, it's still language that's unnecessary. I say things like, man, just life happened. Not the enemy won. You with me? It's, it's, that's purposeful. It's, in, it's important to know what we're focused on. All right. So the Bible says that know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So if what do we need to be focusing on to be free? Truth. It's not a strategy tactic to go defeat the devil. It's focusing on him. It's focusing on truth. Um, we've talked about this a lot. It's an old analogy that uh, we just use all the time. But when they're studying counterfeit money, they study, all the people do is study the real thing. And when one fake comes in, they know it's fake. They don't study the 15 counterfeits. It's just one true dollar, $20 bill, and I can tell when it's fake. Think about it like that. I know who God, I know his voice. He's the shepherd, I know his voice. When it's not his voice, I just get it out of the way. Amen? Um, so, so how do we win our battles? We worship. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by him. And if we're going to experience what it's like to sit at the table with the king, our enemies will be around us. Warfare, the devil's demons will be around us. Even Jesus didn't go f- looking at demons. They, when he went, they showed up, and he just got rid of them. It's, he wasn't looking for the problem of the demon. You with me? So all of us have stuff, Right? We all have stuff on us that we want to be free from. And the way I do this, I have, like, I have a bunch of tasks that I have to get done in the day, and I somehow still do this. I think that it's better if I don't spend time with God and go do the tasks. <laughs> and I'm talking like even 20 minutes. I'm not saying I only have three hours, spend three hours with God and neg- neglect tasks. I'm just saying, man, he's worth he will multiply it. Like, if this is true, then I, I'm just going to devote the first 30 minutes of the three hours to him. And when you have small kids, your three-hour window literally means three-hour window. Like, you got to get it in this time. And so it's, it's funny how we, 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 it's so simple. He made this one so simple. We talk about a lot of dense theological things. This one's so easy. You win by praising and worship. Two Old Testament real quick stories, and then we'll, we'll jump back into worship. King Jehoshaphat. Who would like to name their child Jehoshaphat? <laughs> what a funny name. He, he uh, consulted, is the word, with the people and with God and determined that the best thing to do going into battle was to put the people singing and with instruments in the front. Now, I'm not a war hero. I can't even do CrossFit, but... <laughs> Um, that's not a good move. Hey, put the loud people who don't know how to fight banging instruments and singing in the front. 
send them out there. What is that, what is that uh, prophetically st- saying to us? They were giving thanks to God and praising God. And God, when you do that, he fights on your behalf. All of you know the story of the walls of Jericho. Praise goes up, the walls come down. As you shout to whatever it is, God moves on your behalf. Amen? Can you guys go back in about 10 more minutes of worship? Worship team, you want to come on out? All right. Here's the deal. Whatever's weighing on you, whatever impossible situation, you're not big enough to fix it yourself anyway. You stop at some point, and God's got to take over, and worship postures you in that place. Does that make sense to you? It's arrogance to not worship God, and pride comes before the fall. Posturing ourselves in worship, God will fight our battles. Amen? All right, let's stand up. We'll go about 10 minutes. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit cedarhousechurch.com.